In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I would like to begin with just a a little interesting um, snippet of history that you might or might not be aware of. On this day, July 5th, a day after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, 239 years ago, the Reverend Jacob Bruce, who was the rector of Christ Church in Philadelphia, and Christ Church is located not that far from Independence Hall, the rector of Christ Church called together the vestry of that parish. And any of you who have served on the vestry or who are currently serving on the vestry, you might listen to this. He called the vestry together and they passed unanimously the following resolution. The resolution was to remove the king's name from the prayers in the liturgy. And at that point, that was an act of treason. To remove the king's name was for Bruce and the members of the vestry, members of that congregation. It was an unbelievably bold and courageous act. And yet, yet they were steadfast in the liberty in which Christ had made them free and they would not, could not, any longer submit to the yoke of slavery under a human king. Well, not only was this altering of the Book of Common Prayer an act of treason that subsequently led to Bruce's arrest and prison back in England for the duration of the war, Think about it. It was also the beginning of the Episcopal Church in this country, also severing ties with England, removing the king's name from the prayers, was the church in America's, if you will, declaration of independence. You are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. So just as Israel was loosed from the bonds of Pharaoh's slavery when when they fled Egypt and parted through and, and, and made it out of Egypt going through the parted Red Sea, the founders of this country, whom we remember this time every year, saw themselves as the new Israel, crossing not the Red Sea, but the Atlantic. And here here in this unbelievable land of promise, they realized that the freedom and liberty that Christ granted in allowing all humanity to stand before God without fear or intimidation was an endowed gift from God that could not be taken by King George III any more than Caesar had been able to take it from those first Christians in Rome. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, 
liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Obviously, you've heard that, you know that. That's a perfect secular restatement of something that was written in scripture, of a sacred truth. St. Paul said basically the same thing when he wrote, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. It has taken some 239 years for an increasingly skeptical and increasingly secular culture to forget that the American notions of freedom and liberty and our deepest passion that no human being can be defined or enslaved by a ruler or a state have their origin not just in the brilliant mind of a Thomas Jefferson and many others of his time alone, but from the very scriptures and gospels we share today. Modern secularists give credit to such things as the enlightenment or rationalism or deism and the like for forging the ideas of freedom. But the headwaters of the long river of freedom began in sacred scriptures that bind us together until this very day. These religious ideas are the headwaters of a great and powerful movement that has continued down through the centuries until this modern age, quote unquote, in which we live. Today, the great risk to our liberty and freedom comes, I believe, less from terrorists, from people out there somewhere, as it does from within. From our own arrogance and self-centeredness on the part of an increasing number in our country. Anything goes, they say. If it feels good, do it. Whatever I want. You know as well as I, sadly. Increasing numbers of people in this country have forgotten or have never known that the liberty Christ gives is a liberty that demands our slavery to each other an absolute demand that we love one another as Christ loves us. I want to close this sermon on this July 4th weekend with, with words from a distinguished jurist, Leonard Hall. These words were written during the Second World War some 73 years ago. He said, The spirit of liberty is the spirit of him who near 2,000 years ago taught mankind a lesson that it has never really learned but has never quite forgotten. That there is a kingdom where the least shall be heard and considered side by side with the greatest. 
And so in that spirit, that spirit of an America which is threatened now from within as never before, in that spirit of America which lies hidden in some form in the aspirations of each of us, in that spirit of an America which, for which our young men and women are at this very moment fighting and dying, it's in that spirit that in a moment I'm going to ask you to rise. And when you do so, I want you to do it in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that we can indeed worship together. And remembering that indeed we got up this morning and chose to come to this place of worship. Remembering Christians in this world who cannot do so and who at this very moment are dying, giving their lives for their faith.